Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Athletes work extremely hard on their craft and their skill. They put so much time into fine-tuning their craft, their skill, their ability, and the detail in which they go into to become better yeah. was so surprising to me. Being that I played basketball a long time and knowing, that, knowing what the things that I did and really thought of myself as a hard worker, I also came to realize that maybe I wasn't working hard enough because you know, seeing what they do behind the scenes and just like being able to experience that, the open eye to how much went into athletes being the best player they could be, being the professionals that they are, being on the level that they are. It's a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of detail that's, that goes into it, a lot of commitment, a lot of time. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Uh, Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Chris Bernard. Chris is the Senior Vice President of Athlete Marketing and Development at the Players' Tribune. The Players' Tribune, for those who don't know, is a media platform curated by professional athletes for the public, quote, coined the voice of the athlete. It's a really cool platform. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It was also founded by Derek Jeter back in uh, 2014. So that's where Chris is now. Chris came here from Jamaica at a young age. His parents were fans of Patrick Ewing, who most people know is of Jamaican descent. Eventually, he got the basketball bug and started to play ball and actually played ball quite well. He was an all-star player in Queens, New York at uh, Thomas Edison High School. He went on to play at Ryder College and later Adelphi University, where he played for NBA coach Steve Clifford. After he left college, he got an uh, entry-level job with the Knicks and ultimately became the vice president of player development and marketing and stayed at that organization for 15 years, left there and went to the Players' Tribune. His truth was really interesting. He talked about the acknowledgement or acceptance that he had been living life uh, in fear or through fear while he was at the Knicks and operating in that way. And once he accepted that, then he was able to make a change and his career really took off. We talked about the mindset of marketing, right? Because in our last interview, we talked to Karen Gamba, who gave us a, a treatise on personal branding and the importance of that. And personal branding and, and, and marketing are sort of in the same uh, bin. So just understanding the importance of that and the importance of the mindset of that is what we discussed. We talked about the mindset of an athlete, particularly high-level high athletes, and what they bring to the table and how we in other professions can take what they do 
and utilize it for our own our own lives and our own professions. I asked him what makes a good coach. And he talked about that. And lastly, we ended with a section called First Impressions, which is another truth prescription first, where I say a thing or name and then he gives me what his first impression was of that. So we had fun. Great episode. Close your eyes and open your ears and let's do it. Good people. Welcome back. Another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Chris, what's up? What's up, Dr. G? What's going on, brother? <laughs> hey, as I always say, everything that's not going off, that's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good to have you, man. Look, let's jump right in. For the listeners, my, my old listeners, they know what the show's about. For anybody listening for the first time, the truth prescription is basically about how we interface with truth and how truth is often something that we are afraid of. But once we actually engage with it, it can create a breakthrough for us in our life. So, Chris, you've done a lot of things, as I've already talked about in the intro. Tell me a time or tell us, tell my audience a time in your life where there was something, you know, a truth about yourself or your world that you possibly were ignoring or just weren't aware of. And once you accepted that truth, a breakthrough happened for you. My past, as far as a, a professional, I spent a lot of time with the New York Knicks organization. And, you know, I came pretty much straight out of college. Um, I was a grad assistant coach um, at Delphi University for two years and jumped right into professional, the basketball operation world, working with the New York Knicks. And as a young man, 23 years old, you know, coming up in that organization, I operated in fear. I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to make a mistake. That's how I operated. But I didn't realize that until one day one of the executives pulled me aside and he said to me, you act like you're afraid of making a mistake or you are operating as if though no one makes mistakes. That kind of opened my eyes a little bit because the way I was moving, you know, it was something that I imposed on myself. It wasn't anything that anyone else imposed on me. So that experience, that conversation with that executive at the time, you know, it was a little deeper than that and went a little further than that. But that helped open my eyes to the point where I um, I created a signature on my OG account saying that I fear life more than I do death, but it won't stop me from living. Nice. That became that became like my little tagline you know, for a while. Like, listen, man, stop, you know, stop and just live your life and you'll be OK. You'll figure it out as you go along. I mean, that was the moment that really you know, helped me out tremendously. As a professional, just as a person, this existed in daily life. Right. So for you, it was this notion that you were functioning at this organization basically in fear. And once you realized that once this executive kind of pulled your coattail and helped you, then you said, hey, listen, I recognize that I have this inside of me, but I'm going to still push forward and try to operate from a different perspective. So what was that different perspective you decided to operate from? Was it just, I'm going to be the best, I'm going to be the best Chris that I can be and allow the mistakes to come and move through it? Or what, what was in your mind in that, in that point, once you realized the truth? I was just able to operate more freely internally. I was able to just operate more freely, be a little bit more outspoken in that environment. I was able to open up more, suggest more ideas, share more ideas, uh, more concepts, things that I had in, in mind wouldn't necessarily have 
done prior to that conversation. So that right there really became the moment that I grew as a professional. That's, that's, that's the moment that really set me up for, for the future because of how I was moving. I'm not sure how far I would have gotten, right, when the way I was moving. Yeah, because you left there, which leads me to actually my first question. You left there and went to the Players' Tribune, but you were at the Knicks for a long time. You were there over, was it over, no, it was over 10 years, but what was the exact amount of time you were there? 15 years. I was with the Knicks for 15 years, yeah. So that leads me to my first question because you left your 15-year stint with the Knicks and you went to the Players' Tribune, which is a really dope company for people that don't know what it is. Most people probably know what it is, but it gives athletes an opportunity to to have their own voice in the media space, which is supremely important. You know, I always get tickled when I watch, my wife calls it the after show, when I watch the, the interviews the players in the locker room and some of these questions are just like, good Lord, what, what are these people thinking about? And a lot of times stories are written about players that are one-sided or they, they have these ghost sources. And so it's just a really powerful platform. So you left the Knicks and went there as their um, vice president of marketing. Yeah. Athlete marketing and, and development. I wanted to talk a little bit about just marketing and what, what is the mindset of a marketer? Well, I speak to the mindset of all marketers, but your your mindset, yes, yeah, my mindset. <laughs> See, the most more like so now the most important thing, man, is, is the brand itself. Right? When you talk about marketing, you're marketing an actual brand, brand being an individual. Uh, in this case, for me, would be the athlete, or the brand being the Players Tribune. What we're doing is 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 building awareness, right? Building awareness and really trying to you know develop what the community around that brand looks like, what they're seeing, what they're receiving. Are they receiving a genuine, what, what's the story that they're getting? Is it a genuine story? Is it the truth? What's most appealing to them? So really trying to understand the brand itself and the mark in which you're trying to reach is very important. But for me, man, for, year, for many years, it's been, about, it's been about the athlete, right? Which is one of the reasons why I joined the Players' Tribune. One of the things that I did very well with the Knicks was, you know, was work directly with these players, with the athletes and provide them that opportunity of really building their individual but also putting them in the forefront in the best light possible, right? And also helping people to get to know these athletes for the people that they are, which obviously contributes to the brand that they are. Right, right. So it's interesting because it's, uh, you work in a marketing capacity at a di- essentially a digital media company for athletes. But w- even within that, you're helping them to build their own personal brands through their stories and their, and their reach. It's, it's powerful stuff. You actually being a, a former athlete. Well, maybe you're still an athlete. You called yourself an old man to me, to me the other day in tech. So <laughs> I don't know if you, if you still feel like you're an athlete, but, but you were, you were oh, all borough, you know, all borough at, uh, at your high school. Thomas Edison and went on to play for for Ryder and Delphi and you're in a Hall of Fame at a Delphi for basketball, which is which is beautiful. So, you know, I think along those same lines of talking about the athlete, what do you think people would would be surprised in terms of the way that an athlete thinks? Right. Because when I think of an athlete, I think of particularly at, at the high level. And by the way, shout out to Steph Curry for his achievement last night. When I think about athletes performing at, at a high level. It's almost like they have to do, there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. And we as 
a spectators just see the the final product. So for you working with athletes, what are, what are one or two things, especially ones on a high level, what are one or two things that you've identified that is similar in terms of their, their, their mindset, how they approach their work? The reason I'm asking this question is because all of these things are relatable and transferable to other fields, right? I may not be able to dunk a basketball from the foul line, but I maybe can employ some of the techniques mentally that allowed that person, other than their natural gifts, but that allowed that person to get to a certain level athletically. I mean, there's a couple of things that we already know, right? Right. And it's funny because when I I did not know these things prior to coming to join the league, and this is before social media, athletes work extremely hard on their craft, okay, and their skill. Yes, some athletes are naturally skilled and natural abilities, just like the rest of us are, but they put so much time into fine-tuning their craft, their skill, their ability, and the detail in which they go into to become better yeah. was so surprising to me, being that I played basketball a long time and knowing, knowing what the things that I did and really thought of myself as a hard worker, you know, I also came to realize that maybe I wasn't working hard enough, mm. right? Wow. Because, you know, seeing what they do behind the scenes and, you know, just like being able to experience that, we opened eyes to how much went into athletes being the best player they could be, being the professionals that they are, being on the level that they are. It's a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of detail that's, that goes into it, uh, a lot of commitment, a lot of time. Yeah, I just I just heard, read an article a couple of days ago about Steph Curry, uh, his summer routine this past summer, where he was actually using technology to pinpoint exactly where the ball went in. And if the ball was not completely in the center, then he didn't count it as a as a make when he was going. Routine. I mean, so that level of because you're talking about inches, right? The, the, the basketball hoop holds about probably uh, one basketball and maybe 0.8 of, of another. And so that level of, you know, kind of like specificity to your craft is really, I think, what you're talking about. Yeah, no, 100%. Like one of the things that, that I've been around was, yeah, when they worked out, when they worked on a jump shot or worked on, you know, did shooting drills. Yeah, they didn't count the ones that touched the rim. If they mm. touched the rim, it didn't count. Wow. Right. You know, once you become a marksman, um, that's, you have to challenge yourself in so many different ways. So, yeah. Right. Right. What do you think makes a good coach? Uh, it depends on the sport, but obviously you have to know the X's and O's, right? You have to have a, 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 a pretty high, uh, basketball IQ, in my opinion. People look at it, look and see, we see all the, you know, the fancies, you know, it's deeper than that, right? A lot that goes into the X's and O's of the game, but I really believe that some of the best and greatest coaches are great managers mm. of people. There you go. Think about the dynamic that's on a, you know, on any team, any bench, right? NFL, NBA players, NBA roster might have up to what, 15 players. NFL may have up to 56, maybe. You have to manage each and every one of those personalities that come from different backgrounds, from any in the world, country, any neighborhood, any socioeconomical situation, like you are managing these different personalities. Okay. Right. Um, which is a challenge within, within itself before you even get on the court, mm. right. To manage, to manage the game. A great coach has to be a great manager of people. 
All right, cool. Look, let's jump into this uh, this last section. We'll have a little bit of fun with this. This is called First Impressions. So I'm going to say a name or a thing, and you just tell me what's the first thing that comes to your mind. Cool? This sounds challenging. <laughs> sounds scary. <laughs> you want to make me operate in fear again. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, if you have some kind of, uh, you know, political uh, conflict, then you can just say no comment. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Number one, Kyrie. Brave. Number two, family. Important. Number three, athlete. Superheroes. Mm. Number four, COVID. Scary. Number five, marriage. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Number six, James Dolan. The man. The man. Number eight, legacy. Impactful. Last one, Chris Bernard. Servant. All right. Who is Chris serving? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm a Christian man, so okay, I don't know, go. Go, get it going into religion, but I put God first in my life. And as a Christian, you know, for me, it's it's you know, service is serving God, right? So serving God to me means, you know, I'm serving people as well. You know, I really believe in the youth. When an org- I have a, I have an organization called uh, the Love Them All Organ- uh, Foundation. And, you know, one of the things I want to do is always impact in a, in a positive way, you know, surrounding them with positive people, teaching them, you know, giving them opportunities and pointing out opportunities, helping them grow and develop. You know, there's a lot that goes into being a servant. It doesn't just end there. It's also my own kids, it's my, it's my wife, it's my family, it's people that I come across. And if I could serve those people in any way, you know, that is my goal um, at the end of the day. Beautiful. That's a great, great place to end it, my brother. Thank you so much for coming on and giving the people some uh, insight. I'm going to close it out like I usually do, that the truth will set you free if you let it.